Hello and welcome to the False Neutral. This is episode number 64. And uh, another week, another ride report. In fact, we have two ride reports coming this week, both from, uh, well, two uh, two people from one adventure, and then they also have their own adventures in either getting there or afterwards. So uh, Garrett will be joining us shortly. He's running late for the show, but uh, he had other commitments, so hopefully he'll be joining us uh, in a little bit. But Pete is back as promised and uh, he's going to be talking to us about Smack Dab. And then also, as we uh, I think we teased last week, uh, Ethan Seta is joining us as well. And Ethan, as we said uh, last time, was a gentleman who had emailed us previously about whether he should take his bike, which we were, Garrett and I were thinking it was a Honda 500, but it was a Kawasaki EX 500, or a, a Ninja 500, sorry. Um, sorry, my brain's in 10,000 different places today. Um, and whether he should ride it sell it get something new once he moved so we'll he'll fill in on all of that as well so pete and ethan thanks for uh thanks for coming on the show pete always good to have you on the show it is good to be back i miss talking to you guys and i have to say now when i listen to the podcast i'm usually on my commute and i'm talking back to you guys <laughs> in the conversation <laughs> no i want to say this and it's like no you you don't get to do that anymore yeah, I'm, I'm but guilty. I do today. Yeah, I'm I'm guilty of that as well uh, as well in listening to other podcasts and just like you know you're screaming at the either at the radio as you're driving or your headset as you're mowing the grass and listening to a podcast or something. So, so Ethan, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, give us a little background on yourself, real quick. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so I started writing about two and a half two years ago, um, and like I said in the earlier podcast it, or. Like you mentioned in the earlier podcast, my first bike was that EX500 Ninja, um, which I, I had for about a year and a half before I moved out here to Colorado. So uh, the big question was, do I bring it out here? Do I not? Uh, and so I took your advice, at least the first half of it, and I sold it when I was in California. And then it's crazy how funds get eaten up uh, with, during a move. So I haven't yet gotten around to purchasing a new bike. But uh, hearing Garrett talk about the Tuano a lot means that my friends hear about a Tuano a lot. And that means that for my birthday, I got some Tuana models. So it's uh, definitely in the cards at some point. Well, I can, but, I can point you in the right direction if you ever want a, if you ever want a, a used one or a lightly used one and where a good, a good place to, to ping. So well, that's a... Sure. Different conversation, and Pete, catch us up. What have you? Uh, what have you been up to since uh, we last? Since you, uh, well, had, were last on the show and kind of had to sign off a little bit for a little while. I haven't gotten anything done on my bikes. <laughs> I, I actually have done a little bit, but it's been one step forward and one step back. And uh, Smack Dab has been taking up a bunch of my time that I have, other than a lot of the personal demands that i thought i was going to be facing as far as family members and health care and stuff like that have turned out to be absolutely uh there, there's some heavy stuff going down family wise so uh that's not great news but it's been taking up a lot of my time and uh really uh, the past couple weeks uh, I've been on my bike. I've been on the spider. Excuse me. My road mobile, I was told to call it. They were like, it's not a motorcycle. It's a snowmobile for the road. I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll call it that. That I, I don't think there's any shame in that. So 
As you say that, I'm like, well, that's actually fairly appropriate because you've got two front uh, tires that are kind of like outriggers and skis, and you got uh, rather than the tread, you just have a big tire. And, and, and really, when they designed it, they were trying to come up with something that they could sell to snowmobile customers that didn't have snow because they make ski do snowmobiles. So yeah, uh, it's probably more appropriate to think of it as a wheeled snowmobile than a motorcycle because that's what it was designed as. So. Yeah. Pete, uh, for those who are, let's just, let, well, let, Pete, why don't you just uh, talk about SmackDab a little bit, just as far as the history and what it's about, and what what the event is for those who are, you know haven't heard you talk about it previously. Okay, in 2014, uh, my friend who's been on the podcast, Jim, who goes by Rusty Spokes online, he is out in Colorado. I'm in Kansas City. So we decided we needed to get together. It's been a couple of years since we've been riding together. We said, hey, let, let's meet halfway. So we met in the hopping town of Kinsley, Kansas, which is exactly halfway between his house and my house, uh, according to Google Maps. The weird thing about it is it's known as the halfway city because it's exactly halfway between, uh, I think it's New York and San Francisco. And in 1939, I think, there was a big World's Fair in New York and there was a big World's Fair in San Francisco the same year. And the, I think it was a Saturday Evening Post, created a, a fake painting of two cars passing. And it said, San Francisco, 1,300 70 miles or 40 miles or something, one direction, and signed to New York with the same mileage on the other one. Well, the people in uh, Kinsley, Kansas, figured out that that sign would have actually been in their town. So we said, hey, let's get together. We'll meet in this halfway city. It'll be like kind of a cool little, you know, uh, symbolic geographic gesture. And we went out and toured the county historical museum, and we went to the carnival museum because kinsley was home to like six different carnival troops and (laughs) and then we went down to greensburg where they had the big tornado and they kind of rebuilt the city very green and built this really neat uh museum in the town that was very modern very well done so we had a great time just driving around little towns in kansas 2015 i'm thinking what can i what can we do to possibly top this epic trip and I said, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, for a long time, I've known that there's a monument in Smith's, or, or uh, outside Lebanon, Kansas, in Smith County, that marks the center of the geographic United States as defined by like a 1918 U.S. geological survey. And I happened to, just by mistake, I saw something that somebody posted that, talked about a monument that marked the center of the continent in rugby north dakota and i was like no that's not right it's in kansas i was like oh one's the lower 48 states the other's the continent oh that's pretty cool wow these are very similar looking stone obelisks and i thought well that's that's kind of cool and then i thought hey i've got an idea for jim and my wife and i Let's ride between these two points. And I said to my wife, hey, we could ride this. And she said, how far is it? I said, it's 675 miles. She goes, man, I don't want to be riding after dark. 
And I said, we'll ride it on the solstice. We'll do it on the the most sunlight. We can get up, do it at dawn, and be there by dusk. And she was like, okay. And I pitched it to Jim, and he said, sure, that's cool. So the three of us were going to do it, but I happened to go out to the ADV Rider forum in their Midwestern forum section and said, hey, anybody else want to do this? And 13 other people, or I guess 12 other people, said, yep, I'm in. So that's how it happened for the first time. And by that time, I had designed a patch and ordered some patch from a company that designed, agreed to not have, to waive the minimum and the design charge to get me these patches. So I got patches, gave them to everybody. And the next year, a guy by the name of Brian Cryer on the ADV forum said, hey, I didn't get to do it last year. I want to do it. I was like, man, I'm going to be in Alaska. I'm going up to visit family in Juneau. I'm not going to be there. So Brian said, I'll do it for you. How can we work this out? So I said, okay, I'll send you some, I'll make up some little tickets and I'll give you a rubber stamp and you can hand them out before you leave. And when you get up to rugby, you can stamp everybody's card at dusk and take everybody's picture and we'll do the same thing, but just have them send me the cards and I'll send the patches out to them. Meanwhile, I got a hold of some people in Smith Center, Kansas that uh, were kind of like, hey, this is cool. Yeah, this is this is uh, bringing people to our little county in extreme north central Kansas that doesn't have a lot of tourism. This is great. We'll pay for half the patches. So I contacted them and they started promoting it. And last fall, I wrote a letter to Rider Magazine about it and they published it which got some people interested and uh, two or three different Facebook groups picked up on it. So I went ahead and created a smack dab group and let these people know, Hey, there's a group for this now. And that group currently has 120 people in it. Wow. And it really kind of got some motivation from there. And I'll let Ethan talk about this year's event and what he thought of it because it kind of exploded with registrations and we had a total of 85 bikes and 92 riders this wow. year. Wow. That's big. We, we 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 had 5 last year. So Brian and <laughs> and and his friends that did it last year all rode together and he did it on a WR250. Oof. Yam- Yamaha dual purpose bike. So he he gets major props from me for for doing it not only on a dual sport but on a two fifty dual sport. That yeah, he gets the brass monkey award. And Ethan, why don't why don't you talk about your experiences this year so I don't taint you and you can you can give everybody your unbiased impressions of what what it was like. Sure. Um, as a longtime podcast listener, I knew of the event. Uh, it's definitely been talked about before, and I ended up registering it once I knew that I would be in Colorado as opposed to California because it's a bit closer to start the trip. And then I basically planned a a four-day trip around it where the first is going from Denver out to uh, Smith Center and then the second day was the Saturday which was the full trip up to Rugby North Dakota and then I spent two days coming back and I went through Mount Rushmore and um, that area. So yeah and 
basically I didn't have anybody to, to do this with. I just figured, eh, what the heck, I'll, I'll meet people or I won't, but I'll get to see a lot of the country that I haven't really seen before. So, uh, yeah, I, as I mentioned earlier, I haven't purchased a new bike since I sold my last one. So I ended up renting a BMW R1200RT from Eagle Rider in Denver. And that let me, you know, pretty easily negotiate uh, a lot of the long miles because it was about eh, 1,800, 1,900 miles in four days. But yeah, the first day I just got out to to smack dab uh, or to Smith Center and it was really neat seeing all the motorcycles in front of the motels and there seemed like a lot of people who were pretty much there only for the ride. Um, So it was a very nice atmosphere to have. And by... I'd say 4:30 the next morning. There were motorcycles firing up outside the in the motel parking lot, and that's a good as a good alarm clock as any. So uh, definitely got up at that point and uh, got all my stuff back on the motorcycle and headed back headed out to the um, the start. And uh, yeah, the the people of Smith Center had a nice cinnamon rolls and trail mix and goodie bags and uh, coffee, very important <laughs> component yep. uh, for pre dawn and uh sat on a park bench in order to to eat it and it was um and just started talking to some other people there and one of them was james and uh while i was talking to james this other fellow named eric showed up and so we just ended up talking and there's a i think there's a few pictures of it on the uh false or on the smack dab uh facebook group but yeah, we just met there and started talking, and they both have retired in the past six months, and so they were out here because of the magazine. I, I found out that I was one of the few people who was out there from the podcast, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but we took the big group picture at the beginning, and people started trickling away, and the three of us decided that we would ride together since the three of us had previously figured that we'd just ride alone, and that seemed like a little bit less fun. So we headed out, and seeing the sunrise over Kansas was just one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I haven't really ever been to the great plains before. So it was very awe inspiring to see the dark purples and blues of the sky with gold and red. And then you have the fields that are both green and Brown. And I mean, the, the ride itself was fairly uneventful in that, you know, you're going on a straight road in a group of three and pretty much can't see any other car in any direction. So uh, not too much to worry about there as long as you don't run out of gas, which um, James almost did. We ended up slowing down a bit and trying to get him all the way to the next uh, the next fuel stop. But, yeah, I mean, you would see all the bite- people wearing the uh, the orange little ribbon that everybody got at registration uh, as you went past different gas stations. But, um, yeah, and then... Towards the end, once we got all the way up to, I think it was in South Dakota, it started to drizzle just a little bit, um, and we were starting to get worried about having to stop and put on rain gear, and we ended up stopping to get gas, and I put on my rain gear because I was starting to get cold, but um, we we soldiered on, and just before it started to really pour down, the road turned 90 degrees, and it was just bright blue sky ahead of us. So it was kind of fun to go and look forward uh, and see just open road and blue sky and sun. And in the two mirrors, you'd see the two people who were, you know, James and Eric behind me, and then just dark storm clouds. So we ended up not stopping for 
pretty much anything except gas. I mean, I had a Diet Coke during the day, but we didn't stop to eat. We didn't stop to, you know, rest too much. It was just, we burned all the way up there. And I think we left around 5.30 in the morning and we arrived uh, at the motels at, up in rugby at 5.45. So it was just over 12 hours to complete the whole thing. Um, and then at that point, we got a bit of food in us since we were done writing for the day and uh, walked the last quarter mile to get to the uh, monument. And um, yeah, just got to see everybody else who who met up and exchange our, our stories. It seemed like some people got a lot more rain than we did. Um, but yeah, overall, it was just a very pleasant experience. And I got to see a lot of the country, which was a big motivator for me. How uh, how was it to sit in the saddle that long on that BMW? It wasn't so bad. Uh, it's a very roomy uh, cockpit, I guess. I would be a little bit... Uh, I was very glad that I did not do it on the EX500 because it's a bit more narrow of a saddle and there's a lot less fuel. And uh, for a lot of the South Dakota, top of Nebraska through bottom of North Dakota... Um, so pretty much all South Dakota plus a little bit. There was a pretty strong side wind going on, and Wait, winds, uh, winds in the Great Plains. No, say it isn't so. <laughs> who, who would have known? Uh, <laughs> Eric was riding on a Goldwing. I was on this big BMW, but James was on a uh, Honda Vifer, and he, so he, while the two of us were tilted at eh, five to ten degrees to keep going straight, James was pretty far over i think he was about 30 degrees hunched over just to hold a straight line yeah very glad i didn't have that experience um whenever we stopped for gas he tried to stretch out his neck a little bit and maybe lean the other direction to counter it out but um yeah i think right tool for the right job and definitely was a little sore after it but it really wasn't so bad cool yeah those uh well that's what those bmws are made for is lots of lots of miles so yeah, I uh, in in terms of renting, my choice was one of these big BMWs or a Harley, and I kind of figured that if I'm going to go across the Great Plains, and most likely I'm only going to do this ride once, that I should do it on a Harley to get the full American experience. Um, but then I decided that if I was going to be in a group, I didn't really want to subject everybody else's ears to whatever bike I was going to ride, <laughs> and I decided to go with something a little bit more reserved. Well, that's awesome. So you said you would only do this once, but now after you've done it, do you want to do it again? I kind of do. Um, you know, the entire time we didn't, I mean, like I said, we didn't stop. And I certainly didn't take any pictures while I was going across it. And I don't know if capturing really the, the feeling or the sentiments of the Great Plains can be done really in a picture. But um, yeah, no, I'd love to to find some friends and, and try to corral them into doing it again. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Pete, how was uh, how was your experience? Well, you know, I was I was really kind of blown away, not only by how much it grew, but how much support there was from the people in Kansas. Because uh, they posted on the Facebook group, "Hey, we're all going to be at the uh, at the subway in town, so all the riders come by." And as you we got off our bikes, there's a sign on the door that says, "Welcome, smack dab bikers." Uh, <laughs> free cookie with your meal if you're riding smack dab so i was like <laughs> wow that's pretty cool and uh i have to give uh, a whole lot of props to the smith county convention and visitors bureau who 
they donated $400 towards the cost of patches. And so uh, every, the the way I set it up is we have a website you can go to and register at uh, smackdab281.org. And the uh, deadline was Memorial Day. If you registered before that, they would cover half of the $10 cost of your patch. So uh, this is a small town. And for them to pony up that kind of money, I thought was was very upright. And then they called me and they said, hey, we're going to have somebody come out and we're going to have uh, cinnamon rolls for you and coffee and juice. And we're like, wow, that's really cool. Then the people from Lebanon, which is a little town, sm- small enough that it doesn't have any lodging, that's really close to the monument, they said, we want to, and I think they did this for the five people last year, is we want to give, do something, but I, we know the people from Smith Center are already doing uh, breakfast, so we're going to give trail mix to everybody. We're going to mix up some bags of trail mix and give everybody a bag of trail mix. So they did that, and they also opened up their city park for anybody who wanted to camp the night before. They could camp in the city park and use the restrooms somewhere downtown were open all night so that they could do that. They didn't have any showers, but they did have restrooms, and I thought, that's fantastic because we basically filled Every room in Smith Center. There's, I think, there's three, uh, three motels and one bed and breakfast in Smith Smith County, and they were all full like weeks ahead of time. <laughs> and so, it was very cool that they offered to let people camp. And I know some people were saying, "Hey, I would really like to save money and camp rather than get a hotel room." And the same thing in rugby. Uh, rugby is has a campground, but it's RVs only. They don't allow tents or motorcycles there. And they said, "Yeah, Saturday night we'll allow motorcyclists to camp in the in the RV campground in town." So that was really cool. But they've got plenty of hotel rooms up there. Anybody who wants to get a hotel room up there had didn't have a problem. And all of the t- hotel rooms up there are within like a thousand yards of the monument it's right in the middle of town so you could literally walk from your motel room to, to there uh we did have a lot of people that didn't want to wait because the way we've done it in the past is everybody gets together at as the sun is setting to have their picture taken a lot of people didn't want to do that they either wanted to go to bed because they had to get up and ride home and they only had the next day to do it so a lot of people from kansas were headed going to try and do the whole return trip on sunday because they had to work monday and uh some people were doing a doing the ride as part of a uh saddle sore 1000 with the iron butt society or iron butt yeah, association what, a thousand, thousand miles in 24 hours is that right yeah and this is and this is basically two-thirds of that yeah, it's 675 miles, which is you know 666.6 would be two thirds of that, and it's 16 hours, actually 16 and a half hours if you were from beginning of dawn to the very last moment of dusk. But nobody takes 16 and a half hours to do it, but you could. So it's two thirds of a day, two thirds of a thousand miles. The thing that makes it different, though, this really isn't quite like an iron butt ride because the iron butt association lets you choose when and where you ride you can pick any day you can pick any route 
as long as you do 24 hours, you just need to verify this is here's the route and here's the day. You can't choose a different route. You can't choose different weather on the next day. You get whatever it is on the Saturday closest to the solstice. And I think the other thing that's part about it is kind of what Ethan alluded to. There's a little bit more camaraderie here. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool to get together with people before you leave, see people on the road, talk to people at your gas stops. That and, And I have to give my wife credit. She was the one that came up with the idea of the orange fabric streamers that we gave everybody uh, about a 30 inch by two inch piece of fabric to tie onto their bike or, you know, tie onto their belt loop or something so that people would know they were on the ride. And that really worked out great because every time we were at the side, just, you know, put, there was one point we went to put on rain gear and I bet three people pulled over. You guys okay? And it was like, no, no, we're good. We're good. So that was cool. And that was purely her idea this year about it, about two weeks ago or two weeks before the ride. She was like, hey, you know what we should do? We should give everybody a some kind of a, a marking streamer. I was like, that's a great idea. So we went to the fabric store and just cut them up and handed them out. Cool. Was your uh, was your ride pretty uneventful then as well? Uh, I was fortunate. My spider being three wheels and not being a touring model with a full windshield and full, you know, tail trunk on it and everything, I really didn't get affected as much by the by the crosswinds. My wife kind of normally sits in a bit of a bubble on hers, so she all she was feeling was the crosswinds, and they were uh, around Woolsey, South Dakota, a solid constant steady 25 to 35 mile an hour crosswind exactly perpendicular to the road 90 degrees from the way you're traveling and that was a little rough i didn't feel it as much as a lot of people but i was watching guys in front of me on bikes as you said you're 20 20 degree lean into the wind and all of a sudden that a truck would pass or they'd you know, pass a berm on the side of the road and they'd swerve around recorrect and then immediately be back into it and have to lean over again this truly is exactly the kind of road that is perfect for a Can-Am spider because it's not about, you know, that, that effortless swoop through the turns. It's just, you're just eating up mile after mile. And I've got cruise control. When I bought my bike, I really was, yeah, it was like an extra thousand or $1,200 for the RRS. And it had a, a real stiff sway bar, but you could get that separately. It had Fox shocks, but you could get that separately. Uh, it had a nicer seat, which came in really handy on this. And it had cruise control. And the cruise control was the one thing you couldn't piece out. You had to get... It was the only sport model that you could get with cruise control. So I was like, I don't know. Should I spend the money? That's a lot. I could get all the performance parts cheaper and not get the fancy two-tone paint and the fancy seat and stuff. And my wife said... We're in the Midwest. We ride a lot of flat, straight roads. So let's just go ahead and get the cruise control. Man, is that nice. <laughs> Ethan, I assume you had cruise control on the 1200 RT? Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely one of the um, features that I think I could not have really done this comfortably i think i'd be a lot less enthusiastic about doing it again if i did not have cruise control um you know the heated seats the heated grips 
those were nice in the morning when it was chilly and you know we had pretty good weather the the whole time it was never really too hot never really too cold but um yeah cruise control definitely saved the day a few times and and it's really nice when you're riding in a group especially because you can kind of settle in pace the person in front of you hit your cruise and you're not constantly doing that accordion where you're running up their butt and you have to back off and you can just kind of tweak it a little bit and and the, the nice thing about the cruise control and spiders and i'm sure most of them are like this you can just tap it half a mile an hour up or down so you can you can just tweak it just a little bit without deactivating it so if you find you're creeping closer you just tap it once and you're pretty much spot on at that point yeah, the two out of us, uh, the Goldwing and the BMW, had cruise control. So Eric and I set very steady paces, um, and uh, James had uh, throttle lock, I think, which worked pretty well. Um, definitely gave his right wrist a little bit of a break when he needed to do. Um, so Ethan, um, you're right out there to to smack dab. Was that any anything crazy on that, or was it just sort of seeing a new part of the country? Nothing crazy on that. Um, a couple of days before I set out, though, somebody posted in the Smack Dab group on Facebook about the Motorcycle Museum in St. Francis, Kansas. And as I was cruising along 36, I saw big signs for it and figured, you know, I'm not racing anywhere today. I have plenty of time. So I, I stopped in and they have some really, really nice pieces in there. Um, every, uh, there's a lot of older American stuff from you know, 1916, 1909, um, with nice little plaques explaining to those of us who don't really understand all these models or what's significant or innovative about them um, that, you know, lets you do that. And there's a, actually a vault in the center of it where there's some really, really cool old bikes. Um, and But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a free museum. Suggested donation is like seven bucks. But um, definitely worth a stop if you're <laughs> headed out that way. And I found that really enjoyable. Um, but, yeah, no, out, going out there was pretty uneventful. And then, you know, once I was up in rugby, I, the next day I went to Sturgis and then from Sturgis back to Denver. Um, and there were only two real incidents was I almost ran out of fuel on the Standing Rock Reservation because they don't have 91 and the BMW only goes for 91 fuel. <laughs> Um, and the second part of it was that once you get back towards real cities, you start to have to worry about cars. <laughs> and actually the biggest issues that I had were once I'd returned the motorcycle and was back in my car driving home to Boulder, I almost got hit like two or three times just on the freeway. <laughs> but uh, luckily that has nothing to do with the smack dab ride or riding motorcycles in general. <laughs> yeah. How, how was Eagle Rider to, to deal with as far as reserving and renting and, pricing and, and service and all that. Yeah, they were no problem. I mean, I got the idea that I wanted to do the smack dab ride early enough that I signed up for their membership um, because it's like 30 bucks a month and you get a token every month for a free day of riding a motorcycle. And so since I did this in February, I had my four days of credits built up. So already I've broken even on the membership cost versus the cost of renting a motorcycle for the trip. Um, so I think as long as you plan ahead enough, then, you know, I, it's very useful. Um, the BMW had a, a couple of different service lights on just because they got it back from the previous person the day before and, um, they hadn't taken it to the dealer to have them turn the lights off, but, uh, it was missing. Let's see. It just had a general maintenance light on and then it also had no, 
uh, sensor for the tire pressure in the front tire. I didn't know that such a thing existed beforehand, so it didn't bother me too much. But as soon as I set off and it said, okay, back tire is at 38 PSI and your front tire is red and like dash, dash, dash for the numbers, I uh, pulled over pretty quickly and checked it myself and verified that, okay, this is doing all right. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, no problem with the bike at all and very quick and you know easy way in and out. Um, they had a person go over all of the different features on the bike and i maybe used a quarter of them but you know i was also using it only for four days yeah. so cool good deal pete and then uh, after smack dab you took a few days you and your wife took a few days and put a few more miles on uh after that right yeah when we did the first smack dab uh we came home through uh went over to fargo came down western minnesota and iowa on uh, US 75, which is called the King of Trails, with little two-lane road, no traffic. And we've we've got friends up in Minnesota. We've been up there enough. We were like, okay, we don't need to do that again. Neither of us had been out to the Badlands, Black Hills area. And we said, hey, let, let's, let's do that. A little bit longer, but I took an extra day of vacation. So we were actually gone seven days. We left Friday, went to Smith Center, did the ride on Saturday. And then rather than try to push it real hard, we were like, we're going to be pretty spent after smack dab. Let's not try. So we averaged about 300 miles a day the other six days. Other than smack dab, it was about 300 miles a day. And uh, so we went as far as on Sunday Slept in, had a good breakfast, and went as far as Bowman, uh, North Dakota, which is right before you get back into South Dakota at the extreme southwestern corner of the state. And uh, stayed at a really nice hotel there, had a great dinner at the at the hotel restaurant. And uh, then the next day... Made it down, went to Devil's Tower, saw Devil's Tower in Wyoming. And we were originally going to just cut the corner of Montana to say we were in the state because neither of us have ridden there. And uh, we had we had fuel availability issues because hmm. the spiders are supposed to get 91. But it says you can use 89 if you... Uh, you, you'll you'll notice a deg degradation in the tuning that I think it just, you know, retards the timing a little bit or something like that. The computer avoids detonation and and just changes the tuning a little bit. We used 87 a couple times, but it was usually a half a tank on top of an existing 91 fill up. And really didn't notice any difference. So we were good. The problem was the route from Bowman out to uh, Devil's Tower directly. There were no gas stops. And the, the problem with the Spiders is they get really lousy gas mileage, especially the old V-twin ones. I got about 32 to 35. My wife got more like 30. So that's reliably only about a 140-mile range. And out there, it's easy to go 80, 90, 100 miles yep. between gas stops. So you're kind of 
you know, if you're 40 miles into a tank and you see a place to stop and you look at in route and there's nothing coming up, you go, man, okay, I better stop. And then in another 40 or 60 miles, you so you end up getting gas every 40 to 60 miles just to cover your butt. And, you know, unlike a car, you jump out, you pump, you get back in. It's take the gloves off. You know, we have modular helmets, but, you know, flip up the helmet, unplug the communicator from the USB port, get your, uh, I have to undo my tail bag that's on my seat in order to flip up the seat because the, on the Can-Am Spider, the gas filler is under the seat. So you do all that and then you get all set up. Then it's reconnect the tail bag, put the gloves back on. Oh no, I didn't put my communicator back on. Oh, I took my earplugs out, take the helmet off, put the earplugs in, put the helmet back on, plug in the communicator, restart the communicator, resync with my wife and her communicator, plug the gloves back on. And you're like, it's 15 minutes every time I stop for gas and I'm doing this every 40 to 60 miles. And it got, it got really old. The other thing that got old was the wind. Because we had a beautiful, when we left uh, rugby, we just had a beautiful morning. And we took, I think it's State Road 3 south. And if you can imagine, you know, the scenes uh, from Dances with Wolves, where he's out on the rolling hills and there's not a tree, there's not a house, there's not a structure. This is what that was, except for one ribbon of black pavement asphalt that just disappeared over the hills and it was just spectacular and we were the only vehicle on the road and it was just every time you'd come over a hill you just go wow because it's you you just cannot conceive of how big the great plains are unless you do a ride like this and you ride extensive you could drop yourself in at one spot and look around and think you got it you don't got it you got to spend the whole day driving across them to really appreciate how big and empty that part of the country is. And there's a certain beauty in that emptiness. Mm -hmm. So next time you decide to do that, do you need to get those like one gallon, little one gallon, couple of little one gallon gas cans that the ADV guys have to, for when they're going out in the desert, maybe just strap one of those on the back or something like that. I, for I actually, I, I actually did have an aluminum MSR fuel canister and a nice little uh, cloth strap-on bag for it that I put on my hand. But I figured it out, and I'm like, 30 ounces when you get 30 miles a gallon is like 7 to 10 miles for one bike. So if we ran out and we just needed to get it off the road to the next exit, you could do that. But the chances of that one fuel canister giving you enough to get you both any measurable length yeah, it it was a it was going to be a last minute hail mary if I had to use that. Gotcha. And then uh, you uh, you posted a picture on the false neutral Facebook page where you tried to well you you did as best you could of replicating a, a semi iconic early seventies motorcycle print ad. Yes, uh, in nineteen seventy two when Suzuki came out with the. Uh, GT750, they ran an ad that said, because this was like their first big touring bike. So they had an ad that said, Suzuki introduces America. 
And it was all about, hey, here's an America you haven't seen before. You can take the interstates. You can take the back roads. You can ride all day. You know, the, the reliable, comfortable, smooth, uh, durable GT750 will get you where you want to go. And the picture in the ad was of a guy parked on the side of the road looking up at Mount Rushmore. And uh, this was 72. So I, I can't tell exactly where this was. But the chances of you actually taking that picture from, because now they have multi-level parking garages and an amphitheater and all kinds of stuff there. And it's so jam-packed during the day. There's no way you could get into it. And on the road around it, there are very few places where you can just pull off. Signs everywhere. No stopping. No standing. Anytime. Do not stop here. You will be ticketed. You will get arrested. Just don't do it. And there was one turnoff that was fairly close so i pulled over and i posed the best i could like the guy leaning on the gt750 because i i had a gt750 and i actually had this ad out of an old magazine in a frame on my office wall back when i had my 72 gt750 so i'd stared at it forever and i said someday i'm gonna go to mount rushmore on a bike and i'm gonna replicate that picture and i came as close as i could my wife was behind me, and she snapped a picture of me. Yeah, it's not perfect, but it's as close as you can get in this day and age to putting your bike where that guy was. Yeah, that's cool. I was not too young, but just barely old enough where I remember on a trip in summer of 76 of going to Mount Rushmore and Wall Drugs, and we did uh, Devil's Tower because that was right after Close Encounters. So yeah, it was. I have, I have vague memories, but I would love to go back. And I'm sure it's completely different now than than when I was a kid. So because that's 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 40. Wow. Yeah. Scary. So Ethan, uh, kind of summing up the whole, not only just smack dab, but the whole trip. What do you think? Uh, I think it was really worth it. Uh, I would encourage people to go and ride motorcycles with a group or by themselves, and then find a group later. Um, there's just so many people who will come up to you and talk about riding or the bike or whichever. And there were quite a lot of times where people complimented me on my bike and I had to tell them, no, no, it's just a rental. I don't actually own this, but, um, just a very rewarding experience to spend four days doing that. And yeah, got to meet James and got to meet Eric and got to meet a few other people. And now I'm on this podcast. So I would say it was a, it was a good trip. And would you do that same style bike again? Would you want to do it on something different? What are you What are you thinking? I mean, I would do it again on that in a heartbeat. Uh, if I have a little bit longer to think about it, then I might want to see what else is out there. But definitely, no complaints about the bike as far as I was concerned. I mean, it it the best way I can sum up the feeling of that bike is like a spaceship because it's super technical. It's got all this power everywhere. It's very very smooth. But at the end of the day, it's still a ship. It's pretty heavy, and uh, especially coming from uh, you know a smaller sport bike, uh, it, you definitely feel the weight a bit more. But you know, for what I was doing, except when I was in Black Hills, you know, that's the weight really played to its advantage. And it's not like it's unwieldy to throw around in the corners anyway. Yeah, but I would I would give the advice of uh, if you're going to go see Mount Rushmore, see it early in the morning. Um, I left Sturgis around six and got there around seven and it, there were some other people, but definitely not that many. When I was leaving, there were more people coming in though. And I could see how it'd start to get a bit hectic. We actually got in, had dinner and 
and went to Mount Rushmore. Uh, it closes at 11, and we got there like 945. Mm. And it's lit at night. It's really quite striking at night. They've got it's all got these huge spotlights that illuminate the faces, and it was really cool. There had been some kind of a concert that had just let out, and everybody was leaving. So we had the place to ourselves. There were there were maybe seven to ten other people on the observation deck, and it was really cool and quiet and and reflectful, and it, it was it was great. Got in, bought our little pins in the lapel pins in the gift store just as they were closing. Went to our hotel and crashed. The next day. We drove through there on our way to Needles Highway, which is, by the way, stupendous. You're not going to make any time on it. It's 15 to 20 mile hour turns with a, turns with a lot of uh, other traffic, but just a spectacular road to ride. And uh, they were backed up for a quarter mile waiting to get in. And we were like, oh, I'm so glad we went last night because we would have blown our whole morning trying to do that. Cool. And then uh – so for for as big as it was this year, Pete, what are you planning for next year? Well, I probably am thinking I will probably go to Smith Center next year, see everybody off, and come home. Because I can't eat up a week of vacation every year yeah. making this ride. And I already have somebody who has volunteered to be trail boss next year. And people in Smith Center have really bought into it. They're like, don't worry about it. You give us the tickets. We will make sure they get handed out. We'll give everybody instructions. I had a little portable, I had a pig nose amplifier and a microphone that I used as a PA system. And they're like, we'll handle making the announcements. We'll do it. They're super pumped about it. So I think it'd go off without a hitch. Last year it worked fine and I didn't even go. So we'll have to see. I... I'm going to do some press releases, send it out to all the media about this year, maybe do some more press releases instead of just a letter to the to the editor at Ryder, do a little bit more promotion next year and see where it goes. And, uh, you know, hopefully the, the one thing that I think would really put a damper on it is if there was, you know, tornado warnings along the route or something like that. But that's a lot of what makes it an adventure you know this is not some this isn't the transamerica trail this isn't you know driving to tierra del fuego and back it's a fairly responsible low risk thing but there's still a lot of unknowns and there's still a lot of dedication 675 miles on a particular day on a on a given route is a lot of work and there are a lot of people s- said I this was more difficult than I thought it was going to be. And those same people said I had so much more fun and enjoyed it, had a great time. And I think I might have to do this again, if not next year, sometime before too soon, before too long. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it gives you a pretty good sense of accomplishment to know that, yeah, you set out to do this thing, which... It's a little bit hard to justify to other people when they ask you what you're doing out in the middle of nowhere, but, um, you know, it it feels good at the end of the day. So, Ethan, are you going to put your finisher's patch on your jacket? Uh, I just want to keep the patch. See, (laughs) I haven't told my parents because they're very happy that I don't have a motorcycle anymore. 
So this is still a little bit under the radar. And I felt like if I put it on a jacket, then that might compromise that whole stealthy operation. <laughs> hey, where'd you go for Very a few good. days? Oh, yeah, I went on a trip. I didn't, just didn't say it was on, on, a, on a motorcycle. Yeah, I went camping. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Well, gentlemen, I think that'll that'll make a good show right there. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, now I'm sitting there writing notes, and I'm like, okay, so investigate Eagle Riders for 2018, smack dab. So, you know, <laughs> and then where do I fly into to do something like that? Because from Detroit, just to get out there is 800, 800, 900 miles, probably minimum, if not more. Yeah, so we'll have to, we'll have to start planning. Uh, but, yeah, it sounds like fun, and... Um, well, everyone had a good time and everyone was safe and lots of stories to be told. Well, Ethan, thanks for joining us. Appreciate the uh, the support of of the of the podcast and you listening and commenting and sending in questions. When when he came up and he said he introduced himself at dawn, I had no idea who it was, and he's and he's yeah, I listened. To the I was like, oh, you're the guy who listens to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was very surprised that you knew my name immediately. Uh, when I told you that I'd asked the question about selling my motorcycle before moving out. We get a few questions, not as many as we'd like, which by the way, is a good, good chance to plug, send, send us your questions. We, uh, we would, uh, would love to have them and it's always great, uh, great content for us. So and Pete, as always, man, it's good to have you back on the show. Absolutely. And, uh, hopefully it won't, you know, we can, your life will settle down into a spot. You can at least, Come back on a little more regularly. I not, like that idea. Not the not the same without you. So uh, don't forget to uh, f- go over to Facebook and like our our page over there. It is facebook.com slash the false neutral. Twitter, eh, don't worry about it. <laughs> Make sure that you head on over to Hooniverse every Tuesday for Two Wheel Tuesday, and you can find the podcast there and, and the write-up and all the photos. I, I will I will try to do as good a job as pete has done we just haven't had a lot of bikes to talk about in the last few weeks so it hasn't been the list of 35 but we'll have a few pictures this week for you so ethan if you have any photos you can send over that would be awesome pete sent a a couple over uh, not only in slack but also in our uh, skype chat here as well so we'll be posting those up as well Uh, again send in your questions and don't forget to like us or sorry uh, rate us on uh, the apple podcast app i think is what it's called this week um oh and i should mention i did set us up on intune so if you are an intune podcast listener you you can get our podcast through intune as well and and the uh the cool thing is i got uh, an alexa for my birthday uh, uh amazon dot so now i can say alexa play the false neutral podcast and immediately it kicks on in my kitchen, which I just thought was really cool. So That is cool. That is very cool. All right. And with that, I think we're going to call it a show. So until we talk to you again next time, have fun, be good. Most importantly, keep it on two wheels. We'll talk with you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>